What's going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We're talking UFC Vegas 47 or or 67, 68. I can't remember at this point. It's 67. 67. Strickland versus Imovov. These are your hosts. Before we get into it, drop a like, subscribe to the channel, drop your comment of your recap of this card. I'm Paul. Pick them when I'm concha. I'm finishing my beer. Who's with me? You already know, man. It's your boy, Kev. Slightly junk boy. <laughs> I like that. But not. Just be talking some real fade and shit. And this was a fun card, man. No cap. Yeah, I mean, like, Umar's first main card debut. We got to see that. I did say it may be a challenge, but it wasn't a challenge. And Sean Strickland, back-to-back paper, uh, not pay-per-view, but back-to-back main eventer. You don't see that often. And uh, I mean, I made I made some pretty good money on this card as well, so I, I can't be I can't be too mad at it. How about you, Kev? This card was fucking lit, man. And the live stream was fun as fuck with this card. I mean, I came in late, like I probably came in the second Umar got the um the knee. And this game, this shit was a good card. Like just to, to start off the year, definitely a great card. Shout out our French people. They're definitely in the chat for the Romeo, uh, Romeo, comedian Romeo Mac live stream. And if you're followed us, subscribed to us from there, shout out to you. But yeah, that it was like 40, 50 people deep at some points. And this, the best part was people talking. Like, and they were in France. They were, they were talking shit to France. France was talking shit to them. It was. <laughs> It got to the point that motherfuckers was talking about Napoleon and motherfucking Germany and shit, the wars, D-Day. Like, I was like, damn, like, hold on. We really talking that shit with French boys. Yeah, like, it was a good-ass card. And, like, uh, shout-out to y'all because it was, like, 3, 4 in the morning for them boys, and they were watching their boy Imovov. They didn't watch him win, but they were watching him. And, hey, and that should say, say, uh, say something about the French people because, like, we had UFC France or Paris last year, and this was not Cyril gone. But yet, these people were up four in the morning, three in the morning, watching their boy main event. Dead ass. It was a great fucking card, man. No lie. We can start with the Umar. You said it already. The knee. It was vicious. It was four minutes. It was the uh, first round finish. He, he catches him. They're getting kind of close towards almost maybe a clinch. And then, bang, fucking knee to the jaw. And he and Barcelos is out. It, the fight didn't need anything else. Nah, dude, explain it. That was the fight. Like, Umar came in, and he really showed out. Like, yo, I'm a fucking Omega Metal. Like, he just set it up. He was just slowly waiting for it. You could tell he was looking. He was staying patient. He didn't force anything. He got 36 significant strikes in that one round. Like, he was ready coming in, just ready to come in and fuck some shit up. And Barcelos had to get it. And if that's what you said, that this, I think Barcelos is a bitch either. Like, I really feel like Barcelos came here ready to fight, but Umar Nurmagomedov is a future top five contender, top five contender in his, in his weight class. Two things I saw, because Barcelos is somebody who likes to fucking throw punches. Like, he will knock you out. He loves that brawl. So, like, it showed me that Nurmagomedov's stand-up is so clean and crisp that, like, if you're, if, if you're just here throwing some shit, you're not going to hit me. I like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outclass you. And we never even got to see him even... I don't think he shot for a takedown the whole fight and didn't need it. So, it was like, 
Umar may be a different level than some of these other, like Habib and Islam, only because he can do what they do, but he can also outbox you from what it looks like right now, so, which is the scare. He may be the scariest of Mega Madoffs and out of all of them. Definitely, but I do like my dog said because he's kicking the shit out of motherfuckers. See, but that's why Umar can mix in what said can do with the, the background of like, oh, if I want to take you down for 20 minutes, I'll take you down for 20 minutes. Like, yeah. He, like, the dog, he's the Warriors, man. It's another, it's another one. Then I'm, I'm, we didn't talk this on the pre-fight, but I got to shout out these women because it was a hell of a fight at Bantamweight between Kaylin Vieira and Raquel Pennington. Uh, is this the one that won't fight tonight? Who won't fight tonight? I believe this is the one I won't fight tonight. It did. It went all the rounds. It was a split decision to Pennington because it, it really was both ways. Like So Vieira had the takedown. Well, not takedown, but this control time and the clinch and stuff. But when it came to, like, significant strikes, Pennington was the one that was landing the better strikes and more powerful strikes. So it was a great fight all around because they both, like, they both brought their A game. And that's what you love to see. No, nah, definitely. I mean, Raquel Pennington, definitely. I liked her style. She kept coming forward. She never she never put her hands down, and she just kept staying ready to box the fuck out your ass. And that's what got her to win. I feel like when it came to damage, she had – even though Caitlin Vieira, in my eyes, would have, and if I was a judge, I would have felt like she controlled the fight and she had a stronger fight. But with Raquel Pennington, she just kept throwing the punches. She kept throwing it, and it looked like they were hurting Vieira. So I personally would have would have would have picked Vieira to win this fight. But I can understand that Pennington got the um, decision because you can't like Dan, like Dana White said, you can't just sit there on the third round and put somebody on the cage thinking that's gonna get you the dub. You don't know what. What these um, what these judges have been scoring, so shout out to Pennington for winning this fight. But it was really so disrespectful on the live stream. This one the comedian Roman Mack is the battle of the un- the battle of the out of shapes, like motherfucking. Damn. Like, the was like number two, and like Pennington was number five, and Pennington had like a little jiggle. So I was just saying, like, God damn. But at the end of the day, they both look like they hit hard as fuck. So. It goes either way, and I want to see what this does to the division now because Vieira was actually number two. It looks like if she had won this fight, she would have got the um, championship fight with Nunez because Pena just got demolished. Yeah, no, that's facts. Uh, Pennington also, 15-9, and nine, a lot of people wrote her off because she lost a lot of fights early in her career. She's putting up a little run that, like, we knew, we need new names in the fight in the, uh, the championship fight, so I wouldn't be shocked. It's if she- crazy. Cause I don't see none of them boys even fighting, keeping. Like, that showed me how fine Nunez is. So I'm looking like, this is the rest. This is, like, the number, like, this is probably, like, the closest. It's probably, like, a, if it's not a, a title contender shot, it's a title contender eliminator. Like, oh, yeah, Nunez is dom- It's going to be a dominant champ for a while. And then our next fight was Kapilov. There's Wayne and ass whooping on Soriano. Like, it was one-sided from the first round. I thought the fight maybe was almost getting close to stopping the first round. It wasn't a knockdown or anything, but the Kapilov was in just dominant control. Second round, he gets the stoppage, gets the TKO, kick uh, uh, kick to finish it. But, like, 10-2 and two middleweight. Like, the middleweight division has been stagnant for years, but there's some young talent that's slowly creeping up in this middleweight division to keep your eye on it. He's definitely one of them. Poppy Love versus Soriano was a great fight. I mean, 
Copy Love, then it was cool, right? Because he texted me. He said, yo, Copy Love, spinning back fist, thing of beauty. Next thing, spinning back kick, thing of beauty. And I look up, it happens. And then like a minute later, it happens on Romeo Max, on Romeo Max screen. And he's like, oh, that was fine. I was like, yeah. Right to tough. his chest, bro. Like, he put that spinning back kick right to the stomach. I'm surprised that, like, when I saw that, I thought he was going to, like, the fight would have not been over. But, like, you take one of those clean to the chest, bro, and you're usually going down. No rap cap. So, respect to them boys. But, damn, that was a good-ass fight. I enjoyed it. And I think Kapilov is a hitter, like, I don't think Sargano's no stocks either, but Kapilov is another Russian hitter in this division that's only going to rise and rise his stock. And then with our co-main event, Dan Ige 50K gets the KO finish over Damon Action Jackson. I had Ige uh, money line, Ige by decision. The decision definitely didn't happen, but the money line paid out. There was just a different – like, Ige has fought the top of the top. And I'm not saying he looked great against them, but that's just who his normal tier of opponent is. And you try to throw him in somebody who's won three or four fights against nobodies, usually that difference in skill will show. And I feel like it definitely showed. Ige just showed that he was the, definitely the better fighter and Jackson did not belong in the cage with him. No, nah, Ige put on a master class early in this fight. And I think that's what really put this team together. I mean, Damon Jackson definitely got his hits in. I feel like if Ige's used to fighting the top of the top and he's allowed and he allows that many hits, I can understand why he doesn't really beat the top of the top like that. Or even but, come close. Yeah, but at the end of the day, if Dan Ige 50K man, you gotta pay my boy his bag. He came in and he got the knock. He got a KO. And it was off that smooth ass uppercut. I mean, left left straight to the fuck, straight down the middle, didn't have to do nothing else. And when you said Walk yeah, away. That's just, yeah, the uppercuts, I understand, Paul. Like, that was nice. Them uppercut KOs are so nasty because when they land, there's usually no defense for it because someone's either throwing a shot and they get caught or they're putting their hands out to block something and they don't realize the fucking uppercuts come in to knock their days out. That shit is nasty, man. I need, if I was a fighter, I would try to make the uppercut my signature. Like, oh, shit. I will say any any person who doesn't have any fighting background experience and you get into a street fight, that person across from you is not expecting the uppercut. Deadass. Take a step in, almost clinch area, where you're almost body to body. You could fucking close your eyes and just fucking go up with it. You're probably landing 90% of the time. No cap. Unless he unless he watches the podcast. Now he knows the defense. Yeah. But then on to our main event. This is what all the French people stayed up for. It was a good ass fight. I mean, somewhat. Sean Strickland beats Imovov. I've I felt I gave him four to three. I, I gave him three rounds for sure. I leaned toward the four four rounds for him, but I can understand if you give uh Imovov two rounds. But Strickland for sure won this fight. He that motherfucker he, does look at the total strikes thrown difference. 420 Strickland to one a 277 Imovov. Strickland wow. is a people would love to call him a jab merchant. This meaning he 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 just fucking jabs his way to victory. And like he doesn't, like I said, like Strickland would never, I don't think, KO somebody in the top tier or top 15. But he can get his decision wins. And that's exactly what I saw. He has the gas tank for five rounds. 
and he will just continually throw a lot of volume at you. And if, especially for these newer fighters or someone trying to crack the top 10, you're sometimes not ready for somebody who can literally throw a hundred punches around every round. Like, and, and you, you may get the cleaner shots out of two, three of the exchanges, but you're just not throwing enough to, to sway judges. And that's what Sean Strickland, I felt like showed. And he can still get you get the takedown because he got the takedown and four minutes of control time. He did get that takedown. He got the little trip on the leg, took him down. Like, yeah, it was a thing of beauty. When I saw him do that, I was like, damn, Sean Strickland's in his bag this fight. Like, oh, Imovov was not game prepping for a takedown. I, I, I knew hey, and who picked Strickland, your boy. Motherfucking, but it was a great fight. I think it was a good close fight. And like you said, it showed um, John, Sean Strickland is a jack. Like this, the jab merchant makes sense. He's gonna throw the volume of punches, and he's gonna make you fight all four rounds. And Imovov started off strong. Those first two rounds, I think you could definitely give it to Imovov. But like after that, Sean Strickland was like, "Hey, we don't, we don't slow down over here, over here." That same, that same energy I brought in the first round, I'm gonna bring him halfway through, halfway to the end of the fourth round. I'm still gonna be hitting in the fifth round, and that's what he did. Like he just stayed on it, and he got a nice decision win. And, like, a lot of people could have argued with it, but they know this wasn't Imovov's best fight. And you said it best. Like, the first couple of rounds, he looked best. And Imovov, first ever five-round fight, and I felt like that's what showed a lot of. He just was not prepped for five rounds. And that's why most of my bets, all my bets were Imovov. I never took a money line. All my bets with him was by KO. So I myself kind of knew, like, okay, if he wants to win this fight, it's going to be knocking out Strickland. And it most likely early because he just doesn't have that five-round experience. I should have seen the Strickland by decision coming. I should have I should have sprinkled a little bit on that. I don't know why I didn't. But I think this is just Strickland's bread and butter right here, this position of fighting. If he has to fight the top three guys and push for a title shot, I don't think it looks good. Yeah. But if he's fighting the newcomers, he's fighting people in the mid, the middle ranks because he's not getting title shots. That's the ones he's gonna beat, and that's when we're riding him hard. Like, oh, that's our boy Strickland. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna fuck him up. But then the moment he gets like the Robert Whitaker fight or something, or not the Robert. Oh no, yeah, the Robert Whitaker fight or something. Immediately just back off. Like, okay. What about what about Vittori? I think Vittori will probably get him too. Oh, just okay. his wrestling is just too too dominant. And Strickland's not a heavy 185er where I could be like, oh, he'll be able to get back to his feet easy. Vittori, I think, is bigger than him. So Ooh. that would that would play a big role. So like Strickland, I think he this is his bad like this let's just keep this in mind next Strickland fight. Let's not forget that Imovov's first ever five round fight, a younger fighter, probably has a lot to learn still. If Strickland gets canned up against a Vittori or something, let's remember, let's let's chill out. But, oh, Strickland's coming off a win on short notice. Fucking badass. Fucking, yeah. Oh, he's talking shit in the, the fucking face-off? Oh, yeah, bro. Let's just chill out for a second. Let's, let's just remember the circumstances that came with this win this week. Dead motherfucker. You put it better. You said it better than anybody could, man. And the coolest thing, the funniest thing about it is motherfucking... 
it was the interviews, the post conference. Like, Frickson was low key talking that shit. I'm usually saying just sounding crazy as fuck. He was like, nah, insurance. We got to get these fighters out. We got to um, look out for these fighters after they um, leave um, Octagon. I was like, oh, okay. Talking shit, man. Did you see Francis's interview on Ariel? Oh, that was today. I thought it was tomorrow. Two, special Tuesday episode for the for immediate for Ariel best in the game, boy. I'm 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 just gonna leave everyone. Everyone, once you if you made it this far, you can leave this video. We're about to wrap up. Go check out the Ariel Francis thing. I will only thing I'm gonna leave you, Kev. I'm gonna leave everyone that's listening little breadcrumbs of what was on there. Was that boy? That boy Francis, a fucking folk hero. All right, he Paul Bunyan. Some may say Moses. Some may even say. He turned down eight million dollar contract, so that because he's pushing for better fighter pay all around and health care for everybody, he could take the eight million and make money himself and be rich. But how's that going to help everybody else? Wow, that boy turned down the money because he's really pushing. And if there's anybody. Because to me, Francis is the equivalent of, I know he's a little older. Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes was saying something like, no, I'm not taking my con, I'm holding out on my contract and tell something. Because who's bigger than Francis in the UFC? There's nobody. Like, Izzy sold the most last last year, but I don't think Izzy's a bigger bigger sell than Francis Nagano, especially if it's against John Jones. Hell yeah. Like, there's no one that's going to be the bigger draw. So, like, that's the equivalent of the, whoever is your top athlete in your sport is just, like, instead of me getting the biggest contract known to man in this sport, I'm going to decline it, and I'm pushing because I want to. And that's where the change will happen, I think. Because these middle people can't – they don't got the leverage to do that. The low people don't got to – but the, if you can do it, and who knows, if you can talk to your – the African brotherhood that he has of Izzy and Usman – who are the two and three biggest draws? Probably Francis Izzy, Usman are probably the, the top three draws in the UFC. If they're not, if they're willing to hold out together, bro, they this we could be seeing a moment, momental, this huge moment in UFC right now, MMA all around. That'd be interesting because I don't think I would give a fuck about being champion for like. Don't get me wrong, they are they care about winning and they want to get their belts back. But I think if they were to beat these, beat their, beat their, um, get their rematches and both win, because um, Kamaru got what is it, Kamaru and um, Leon, Leon that shit's been confirmed, and Izzy like, and Alex hasn't been confirmed yet, but Izzy did get face tattoos. Yeah, so like you know what time it is. Yeah. So if they were able to motherfucking, yeah, if they were able to get their belts back and did the same thing. That would change the entire landscape of this sport right now. And all it took was Francis to do it because no one wants to be the first. But if someone else sees someone else do it and they're in the same position and they can at least talk to that person and do like a, like, you know, deliberate. But okay, I'm going to do the same thing as you. We're going to have Dan and White by the balls. $8 million a fight. That's crazy. And that's, I believe, just the show. So, you know, you get double that if you win. Damn. It may have been $8 million guaranteed, and he probably gets pay-per-view points. It was, you know, you get all that other money, too. So, like, and it was a lot of, like, the sponsorship, because he also was pushing, like, I would just, I'm leaving you all the breadcrumbs. 
Go watch Ariwani special Tuesday episode with Francis Nugano. He breaks it all down and lets you know why he is doing what he's doing. And no, it's not because he's scared to fight John Jones. And no, it's not because they're not paying him enough money. It it has to do with something a lot bigger than, than just that. So thank you for watching the episode. This is Paul. Pick away no concert. That was Kev. Fight and street fight enthusiast Savoy. We broke down UFC Vegas 67 Strickland Imovov. There's bigger things on the horizons. We're telling you to go watch it now. And if y'all didn't know, well, now y'all know. This has been Totally Blitz Podcast. Ain't I new? It ain't season maxing. All I'm saying is true. You better stop your capping. Lacking with Leo ass.